Hey, this is Pastor Bob Stephen, lead pastor at Pursuit Church SA, and this is our podcast. Listen, would you take a minute to share and subscribe to this podcast? Also, we would love to connect with you, so please visit us at PursuitChurchSA.com or on any of our social media pages. Now, here's this week's message. We hope it blesses your life. So today, we are wrapping up week three of our series that we have called Identify. And really what we've been talking about in this series, for those of you who have been here, uh, or if you want to catch up uh, on the first couple weeks, check out the podcast. But what we've been talking about is our identity, right? And we posed three questions in week one. We said, how does God see us? And so in week one, we, we looked at that. And what we saw was that God knew you before you ever got here. You were not an accident, right? We also learned that we're sons and daughters and heirs of all that God has when we're in Jesus Christ. And that he holds us or sees us holy and blameless when we're in Christ. We also said in week one that the most important part, and that's why we started with it. The most important part of our identity is how God sees us. That's where we get our identity from, right? But we also said there's a couple other questions to look at when we're looking at identity. In week two, we kind of started to look at how, does, how do we see ourselves, right? That was kind of what week two. Pastor Karen just did, oh, man, a phenomenal, a phenomenal job with that. And, and what we learned there and what she shared with us is that the enemy tries to throw counterfeits at us to distract us from accurately seeing ourselves and what we're supposed to be, right? She talked about counterfeit feelings, counterfeit relationships, and counterfeit experiences that the enemy puts out there to try and steal our identity, right? And she exposed one of the most current counterfeits in the culture today. It's called wokeism. Exposed it for what it is. It's a demonic scheme that sets itself up against the word of God and against God himself. And in that manner, it's trying to steal our true identity. Man, week two, heavy stuff. But we're going to talk about the things of the culture. We're going to talk about Jesus did, and we're going to talk about it too. We're not going to shy away. We're going to always do it in love. We're going to do it from a biblical perspective. But we're not going to shy away from the, from the things that are before us today. Didn't, Jesus didn't when he was here, and we're not going to now. So today I want to focus on this third question that we kind of proposed in week one is, how do others see us? Hmm. If I were to ask you the question, what do people think of me? What would be your answer? Now, for many, there's going to be a wide variety of answers, right, if I were to ask that question to you. But I think it's fair to say that in some way, some way, we are impacted by the way others see us, and they are impacted by the way they see us, right? Let me give you an example. So you post something on Facebook, and an hour later, you go back and see how many likes you got. Come on. Come on now. Come on. You know you do. I do sometimes. Yeah. Trying to, trying to get out of that, though, as much as I can. Come on. All right, here's, here's one that actually just happened to me about a month ago. So you send a text message, and you don't get a response. You're waiting. Okay. You're waiting an hour. You're waiting a day. Well, about 
about a month ago, I sent a text message to a really good friend of mine. And this guy is normally, I mean, he is Johnny on the spot. I get a response like that, right? I mean, that's the normal pattern. So I sent him a text message. In fact, it was a really encouraging one, asking about some things in his life and how is he, da-da-da. And an hour goes by. Hmm, it's interesting. So then a day goes by. And so after a day, I, I said to Pastor Karen, I said, man, this is really unusual. I mean, usually this guy's really responding really quickly. I, I wonder if something's wrong. Well, she goes, of course, hey, chill out, man. I'm sure he's just busy. You know, she's calming me down. <laughs> but I'm like, this is really weird. So then a week goes by. And I'm like, is he mad at me? I mean, what's, what, what's the deal? How come I'm not getting this response on this text message? And sure enough, three or four more days go by. And finally, I get a response. Well, he was just out of town. He was on vacation. I mean, but do you see what I'm talking about? Do you, do you see how we can get wrapped up in the perception or even what we think might be the perception of other people, how others see us? You know, it's, it's really funny how that, how that it's kind of crazy, actually, if you look at it. But here's the thing I, I want to talk about today. Why should we be concerned or should we be concerned about how others see us, right? Well, if you look in the Bible, there's actually both sides of that equation, right? So, if, you know, if you look at scriptures in Mark and Galatians and 1 Thessalonians, and I could find some other ones, those kind of scriptures strictly or clearly tell us that what God thinks about us is way more important than what other people think about us, okay? So that you have that side of the equation. But then there's also the other side of the equation. There are scriptures that clearly state that what other people think of us is important in that we are supposed to be reflections of Jesus, right? Our life is supposed to be a reflection of him. From that standpoint, God does care about what other people think of us, okay? And so should we to that extent. And that's what I want to talk about today. That's actually what I want to talk about today. That notion that how others see us in some way reflects Christ in us. Okay, I want to talk about that. So let me change the question just a little bit. From how do others see me to do others see Christ in me? That's the question I want to talk about today. Can someone look at you and me and see Jesus in us? That's the question I want to talk about today. And I'd like to share with you three, three different ways that I believe people should be able to see Jesus in us. There's more than three. Don't get me wrong, but I'm going to talk about three today. Because I think these are very fundamental in terms of how others should see Christ in our lives. The first is this. Ask yourself this question. Do others see... Um, I'm sorry, actually, let me, let me go back. Let me give you a little more background. Galatians chapter 2. This will show you what I'm talking about. This is the Apostle Paul. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
You see, when you accept Christ, you automatically get a new identity. Right? Do you know that? You, 2 Corinthians says you are a new creation in Christ. I mean, you, the old is not a 2.0 improvement. You no longer exist as the old person that you used to be. You have a new identity in Christ. And our new identity is rooted in Christ himself. Right? It's actually rooted in Christ himself. So, let me show you three ways now about how to show that evidence of Christ in your life. So ask yourself or focus on this first question. We want to let others see the lamb in us. Hmm, let's talk about that. You know, in John chapter 1, John the Baptist, when he first saw Christ and pointed him out to others, used the description of a lamb to describe him. He said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, it's interesting that John didn't use the word Messiah. He didn't use the word ruler. He didn't use the word king. The very first word he used to describe Jesus was as the lamb. The significance of that is he was trying to share with people the sacrifice that Jesus was going to make. For them and for you and for I and everybody else. The sacrifice that Jesus was going to make. Isaiah 53 describes the foretelling of Jesus as the lamb who was going to be led to slaughter. That's the way Isaiah described it. Let me ask you this. When others look at you, do they see some sacrifice in your life for the cause of Christ? Can they see that? Can they see the lamb in you? You know, many people in this world are willing to sacrifice their time for a cause. We see it at protests. We see, okay, the world does that right now. Many people will even give their money to worldly causes. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to sacrifice by getting out of your comfort zone? And sharing what Christ has done for you so that someone else can see Jesus in you? Let's define the word sacrifice for a minute before we go any further. A sacrifice is giving up something of value for something of greater value. Here, Nick. A sacrifice is giving up something that somebody values for something of more or better value. Jesus gave up his very body. Do you think he valued his body? Of course he did. His body is a temple, just like yours. He valued it, but he understood the greater cause of saving us from our sin. That was the greater value. That's the sacrifice he made. Are you willing to sacrifice things that you value for the greater value of letting others see Christ in you? So important, so important. Are you willing to sacrifice your time, your talent, your treasure to build God's church so that other people can be reached? Are you willing to sacrifice your pride, your preferences to make room for others who may not be like you, but need Jesus every bit as much as you do? Come on, man. We we, we got our little pet things we like. Tell you what. You want to follow Jesus, you better get out of your pet stuff because that's not what he's about. That's not what he calls us to be. It's not about your preferences. It's about his kingdom. 
It's not about what you want to do. It's about what he wants you to do. Come on. Yes. Come on. No better source than Jesus himself. This is what he said in Matthew 10, 38 and 39. He said, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not what? Come on. Hello. If that doesn't get your attention, I hope something today does. Whoever finds his life will what? Lose it. And whoever loses his life, this is the beautiful part. For my sake, Jesus says, well, well, what? Find it. If you want to find life, yes. You want to find your life, lose yourself in Christ. And let others see that in you. Let others see that in your life. Let others see what your priorities are. Let others see how you sacrifice for the kingdom of God. You don't have to go shout it from the mountaintops. Just live your life and let them see it. My beautiful wife has said it so many times. People would rather see a sermon than hear one. Your life should be a sermon. People should see Jesus in you by the way you sacrifice to build his kingdom. And that's not a works thing, by the way. You're doing it out of love. You're doing it out of love. You're not doing it to, to get into heaven. You're not doing it to make yourself look good. You're not, no, you're doing it so people can see Jesus. That's why you sacrifice. So people can see Jesus. You see, when other people see you leave behind your old life, they start looking and they start asking, oh, how many, okay, I'm going to give a show of hands here, but anybody, anybody in here after you gave your life to Christ, you were a lot different than before. Did you have friends? Do you have family? Do you have people saying, what's going on with you, man? What is going on with you? I see something different. You see, they didn't ask you about theology. Not, they just know. What did they see? They saw something in you. They saw the sacrifice. They saw the difference in your life. That, my friends, is an open door to introduce them to the Lamb. That's your open door to introduce them to the lamb who sacrificed everything for them and for you and for me. That's your introduction. Let others see the lamb in you. Here's another way that we can show people our savior in our life. Let others see the love of Jesus in you. Someone looks at you, your life, can they see the love of Jesus in you? You see, the world already has enough fighting, enough arguing. And if that's what they see in us as believers, why on earth would they listen? Why on earth would anybody listen if we're just like the world? If they don't see the love of Jesus in us, and they just see us, Given our point of view, screaming from a platform, whatever. Why on earth would they listen to that? They probably wouldn't. You see, there's nothing more powerful in this world than the love of Jesus. No weapon, no bomb, no argument. Nothing is more powerful than the love of Jesus Christ. And nothing has the potential to change this world like the love of Jesus. 
In fact, this is what Jesus said in John 13. This thing called love, he said, would be actually the distinctive factor about how people would recognize who his real disciples are. That's what he said. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By what? By this, by this shall all men know and all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. There it is. You know, one of the greatest ways to let others see Jesus in us is to love them the way that Jesus loves you. Come on. Well, what does that look like? What does that look like? Because love, my friends, is, is actually not just a feeling, not just an emotion. It's actually an action word, right? It's an action word. When Jesus, Jesus didn't just, uh, hear me now, Jesus didn't just come and think, well, I think I'm going to die on a cross. No, he did it. He just didn't think I'm going to be risen from the dead after three days. No, he actually did it. Jesus showed us what love looks like, not just by what he said, but by what he did, we need to do the same thing. But let me show you some things that love might look like. Showing what people, showing what Jesus' love looks like. It starts with this. It starts with a word called kindness. You see, you don't have to like somebody to be kind to them. In fact, in fact, I would say in this world, those that don't agree with us are the ones we need to be the kindest to. <laughs> Jesus said, what, what good is it, in another scripture, what good is it for you to do well for those that already like you? Anybody, the sinners do that. That's what he said. That's easy. What's hard is to love your enemies. What's hard is to love those that you don't agree with. I'm telling you, man. Woo. You see, Jesus certainly had a lot of people that weren't kind to him. And yet, what did he do? He showed grace. He showed mercy. He showed kindness. And all of that without compromising his mission and his purpose. That's the key. Jesus never compromised his mission. He never compromised why he came here. But he showed kindness, grace, love to so many that didn't agree with him. Romans 2.4 says actually that it's the kindness of Jesus that draws people to repentance. Did you know that? It's not Jesus screaming on the mountaintop. It's the kindness of Jesus that draws people to repentance. That, come on, think, think about your own life. How did you come to Jesus? Did you come to Jesus because someone screamed at you and said, you got to stop doing this, you got to stop? No, I, I'm going to say there's probably no one in this building right now or within the sound of my voice that came to Jesus from that point of view. You came to him because you felt, you sensed his love for you. You felt his kindness for you. And it drew you in. It drew you to him. If we want to draw other people to Jesus, if we want people to see Jesus in us, we've got to show kindness. You see, I've yet to see someone come to Jesus through screaming and accusation. I've yet to see a Facebook rant brings somebody to repentance. I ain't seen it. Maybe you have. I haven't seen it. In fact, it usually have, those things have the opposite effect. 
if we're honest. Those things actually have the opposite effect. Kindness, my friends, is not weakness. Kindness is not compromise. Kindness is an invitation. It's an open door. It's what it is. It's open. Let me show you the Jesus that showed me kindness. Let me show you a Savior that died for you, that loves you so much. Kindness is an invitation. It's an open door. Others know us by our love. They see the love of Jesus in us when we reach out instead of running away. Let me say that again. Others will see the love of Jesus in you when you reach out and not run away. The world, the world runs away, don't they? If they don't agree with you, what do they do? Cancel. They just run away. That, that's the world's way. Don't agree with me? Well, I think my opinion's right. See you later. Cancel. Defriending you on Facebook. Taking you off my Instagram. Folks, if we're going to reach this world for Christ, we can't be like that. We can't be like that. You see, there's such an atmosphere of isolation and separation in our world right now. And that is not what Jesus is calling you and I as believers to do. In fact, his word says that we are to be ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is someone that goes and represents a president, a king, but they're representing their government to everyone else in the world. They, they come with the authority. They come, oh, come on now. They come and an ambassador comes with the authority of the one that sent him. And God's word says that you and I are supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. We're supposed to take his message to people and we have his authority to do it. But it also says in the word that we are to be ministers. Hear me. We are to be ministers. And by the way, a minister just ain't someone up on a stage preaching a message. I want you to understand everyone in this room and everyone in the sound of my voice can be a minister for the Lord Jesus Christ. And what the word says is that we are to be ministers of reconciliation. You know what reconciliation is? bringing back together. It's bringing, Jesus said he was going to hang on a cross to actually draw all men to himself, to reconcile man to God. And you and I get to participate in that same process. We're reconcilers. That means we need to show others the way to Jesus. That's our role. And that means we need to reach out and not just reject. Let me say that again. We need to reach out, not just reject. That's not going to get it done. Now, hear me. I'm not saying we are to embrace evil and sin and just say they're okay. I'm not saying that. And neither did Jesus, by the way. Jesus never said that was okay, right? But in 1 Peter 4, 8, it does say this. It says that we should love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Your love can help draw others to Jesus. When they see his love in your life, that's going to draw them to Jesus. Now, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. You see, when we were still sinners, it, the word says Jesus loved us and died for us. While we were still jacked up, while you are still jacked up right now, Jesus went to the cross and died for you. Come on. 
Can others see that in your life? When you talk to others about Jesus, do you just pretend you have it all together and life's just great? I hope not. I hope you tell them what your Savior has done for you because he can do the same thing for them. Come on. They need to see Jesus in your life. It's not just about telling people about Jesus. They need to see Jesus in us. Wow. Come on. All right. I'm going to save the, the last point for right now. Because to me, this is the one that God spoke. God was all in this as I was just praying. But this is the one he really put in my heart. He said to me in my spirit, this last point, let others see the lion in you. What does that mean? Let others see the lion in you. Because you see, many people have, maybe you're one of them. You have this vision of Jesus. It's just, oh, you know, the lamb Jesus, you know, little, little lamb, just, hey, great. We needed the lamb, but we need a lion too. And I want to share with you, Jesus is every bit as much a lion as he is a lamb. And that's what he expects of you and I too. You are a lion. You are a lion. Let me, let me show you what that looks like. You see, Jesus was referred to in the word as the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's one of his names, right? Because he's, Jesus came to die for our sins, but he also came to free us from captivity. The word was made flesh, but he was also a warrior. We say that again. The word was made flesh, but he was also a warrior. Are you a warrior for Christ? You can be. You should be. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. Dude, I mean, it says in the word that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he is the Prince of Peace. But the peace that Jesus actually did come to bring is an internal peace. Okay, let me, let me make sure we understand the difference and distinction about what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus did come to give us an eternal peace. But that's not what this particular passage of Scripture is talking about. What this passage is talking about is a different kind of peace that Jesus did not come to bring. The peace of passivity. That's the peace Jesus did not come to bring. And that's what he's telling. I didn't come to be passive. I didn't come to just sit around and wait and see if things are going to happen. Maybe you've even heard the term of somebody who is opposed to war. They're called what? A pacifist. That's their name. That's the name. That's the label given. My friends, I can assure you. Jesus was not then, nor is he now a pacifist. I can say with 100% certainty, Jesus wants peace in here, but he does not want a peace that passively watches what happens in his world and in our world. Jesus didn't do it. and He expects you and I not to sit on the sidelines. You see, Jesus came to fight for his cause, to bring all who would believe home again, he came to fight for the poor, the marginalized, the outcasts, the prisoners, the captives. You see, it was Jesus who turned over the tables in the temple when he saw what was happening in his father's house. He didn't just sit there and take it. He didn't just sit there and say, that's okay. 
It was Jesus who, when a woman accused of adultery was thrown at his feet, protected her from the crowd by reminding them of their own sin. You see, Jesus acted as a lion, as a leader, as a protector when he needed to. And so do you and I. Let us see the lion in you. See, Jesus wasn't afraid to challenge the religious leaders of his day when their thinking was off. He addressed, excuse me, he addressed the issues of his day and he was not in any way passive. He was a lion. And you see, while others in our world are aggressively advocating for their positions, their points of view, we have way too many Christians sitting on the sidelines. Got a little quiet, but it's true. Jesus never called you to sit on the sidelines. He called you to be a lion. Others need to see the lion in you. Because when we show people the lion, then they're seeing the lion of the tribe of Judah. When we lead like Jesus led, then they can see who Jesus really is. Remember, God's word clearly says that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound mind. That's what we have. We don't have a spirit. Any spirit of fear you have? In fact, I think October we're doing a whole sermon series on fear. So buckle up. It's going to be good. But if you have any fear, it didn't come from Jesus. It came from what others think of you. It came from your, a lot of the things we've been talking about in, in this Identify series. That's where a lot of our fear comes from. But he has given us, the scripture says, a sound mind. You see, a sound mind does not need to violently argue or throw fits to prove a point. A sound mind allows us to lovingly but firmly assert that Jesus is the answer to this world's problems and that his way is the best way. You see, we can still show traits of the lamb. We can still show love and kindness, just like Jesus calls us to. But we can do all of that while leading like a lion. When others see us sitting on the sidelines, they may or may not agree with us. Let me put it another way. When others see us not sitting on the sidelines, when they actually see us doing something, they may or may not agree with us, but at least they're seeing us lead like our Savior. That's the way we ought to be leading. You see, Jesus did not come to copy the culture. He came to change it. Let me say that again. Jesus did not come to copy the culture. He came to change it. This is what Romans 12 verse 2 says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, testing means there's going to be some action going on here. It's not just a theoretical thought. Testing, when you test something, you have to do something with it. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. My friend, leading like a lion involves doing some things. Involves taking an active role in the cause of Christ in your life and in the world in which we live. If you want others to see the lion you in you, it starts with letting God transform you. Let God transform you. Let him transform your heart. Let him transform your mind. 
always starts with you. If you want people to see the love of Jesus, you've got to have the love of Jesus in you. Then you're in a position to help lead others and to offer the change for a world that's watching you. Are you ready to lead like a lion? Are you ready to get off the sidelines and get in the game? Jesus did it. And so can you, my friends. Let others see the lion in you because the lion already lives in you. The lion is already living in you. Let your lion out. Let your lion out. Let your lion out. Come on. The lion of the tribe of Judah is calling you to live the way he lived so that others can see him when they look at you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. And we just love you so much. God, thank you for putting your identity in us. The identity is sons and daughters. Our identity in Jesus. And Father, will you help us to live as ambassadors and ministers of reconciliation that you've called us to be so that we can bring other people to Jesus? God, will you guide us and lead us so that when others look at us, they see your son. And Father, help us so that others can see the lamb in us. Help us, Father, to show your love to others so they can see what real love looks like. And Heavenly Father, give us the courage and the boldness to live like lions for you and for your kingdom so that others might come to know your son, Jesus. In the mighty name, in his mighty name, we pray. Amen. Listen, with every eye still closed, every head still bowed. If you've never given your life to the one who gave his life for you, today can be that day for you. Right now, I believe there's people here that are sensing the Holy Spirit. His whisper right now is today is your day to start living like a lion. And if that's you, I want to invite you to pray this very simple prayer with me. And for those of you that may have already given Jesus your life, will you just pray this with us as well, just in support of anyone that may be doing that for the very first time. Would you just pray this with me? Lord Jesus... I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me and to wash me clean. Come into my heart, lion of the tribe of Judah. Today, I make you the Lord and the Savior of my life. In Jesus' mighty name.